You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call as today your Indiana Hoosiers lose at Purdue by a score of 79 to 59 in a game that really wasn't that close. Uh, this result drops IU to 14 and 10 overall and 6 and 6 in the league. Uh, and, and this is a game that IU got off to a decent start, as we've seen a number of times this season, uh, but a lo- lengthy offensive lull late. Uh, mid to late first half allowed Purdue to pull away. IU came out, didn't score in the first eight possessions of the second half and allowed Purdue to extend the lead. And it was really uh, all she wrote, even at that point, uh, as Purdue ends up winning the game 79 to 59. Uh, I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. I'm here with uh, Jeff Marlowe and Bob Motes. And we're going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And let's start this show the way we start every show, and that is with our banner moment. And in a game that uh, really wasn't particularly close, the banner moment almost had to be the beginning, where IU came out and got off to a really good start, saw a number of good things from a cutting uh, standpoint. IU was able to get a layup from uh, Mackenzie Mbako to start the game on a nice cut uh, after a, a, a kick out from the post. Khalil Ware gets a dunk, Malik Renew gets a hook shot, Malik Renew gets a layup off a nice cut, and IU scored eight points on its first four possessions, uh, even you know had ten points after uh, you know a couple possessions later, Trey Galloway made a nice cut and got fouled, and then it seemed like that player movement stopped, but it was a really good opening start to the game from IU that uh, didn't take the crowd out of the game by any means, but at least prevented them from really getting going and the game getting away from them, because Purdue scored a lot in those early possessions, but IU still had the lead just because they executed well at the beginning. And that gave some hope early on in the game, and that quickly went away uh, later in the half as IU really struggled to score. But I thought the start uh, was really important, was a game that I think everybody's worst fears could have been realized early on had this team not come out and played well at the beginning. I give them credit for doing that, but uh, again, the game really got away from them after that. And so uh, that was the banner moment because it was one of the only leads that IU ended up having in the game. All right, with that, uh, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Home field And our banner moment today, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Home Field Apparel, who is now in their seventh season sponsoring the Assembly Call and their third as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. Home Field has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere. And since IU is their flagship school, you know, more high quality gear with unique IU logos from the past is always right around the corner. And that uh, showed up yesterday uh, as they rolled out uh, a refresh of the IU collection as well as the Purdue collection, uh, complete with hats, joggers with the bison on it, hoodie with the bison, a shirt commemorating the 1993 Big Ten champions, um, the great Terry Morin shirt, uh, just uh, a shirt for the hyper. Uh, So, you know, just when you thought the IU collection at home field couldn't get any better, they turn around uh, and do just that. They make it better with some great new releases this week. So make sure you go and check those out. Uh, And so 
really exciting to see what they have and you know that there will be more at some point uh, coming as well and and you also know that no matter what you buy it'll be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings plus you're supporting an indiana-based company that came up through the kelly school of business and isn't shy about showing its love for the hoosiers so go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code home 23 to get 15 percent off your entire first order again that's promo code home 23 for 15 percent off once again that website is homefieldapparel.com wear one for the team all right now it's time to move the ball find the open man get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team uh, both of whom probably questioned their judgment in agreeing to do the show as Jared was at a father-daughter dance. Coach Tonsoni is covering the game, uh, which I'm sure he was not enjoying very much at all either. Uh, and uh, Ryan is, uh, is doing some work to get ready for the Super Bowl at the big lead. So I do have uh, two of our esteemed guests from the Back Home Network here with me with uh, Jeff Marlowe and Bob Motes. Uh, Bob, I will throw it to you first for your uh, opening thoughts on tonight's game. I really think Jeff's going to have a lot more fun tomorrow doing doing the work. Uh, it, it would be honestly. hard to have less fun, I would imagine. I, I, yes, I really, I really right. think so. Um, opening thoughts. I mean, twenty point loss up at Mackey. Um, it's hard to play offensively two on five, and there's so many times I feel like IU is doing two on five, where you have a ball handler and they're trying to get it to one specific player. And I mean, I wrote something down at the, you know, at the, at the half. And one thing IU did do well in the first half, they, they basically just let um, Edie and Smith be the two guys that killed them. It wasn't like you saw a lawyer going off for, with three, three pointers or Lance Jones um, penetrating the lane and, and getting, getting buckets or Gillis doing what he's done from the perimeter all year. Um, and they were, I think down 12, I believe at the half. But conversely, IU's problem was you, you had, I think it was uh, Cups, Leal, Walker, and, and Bang, or Sparks uh, in the game. They took up 40 minutes of, of playing time. They took a combined four shots. And you're not going to win. You're not going to beat a team like Purdue when you're using Trey Galloway and Malik Renew standing toe-to-toe with Zach Eady and Braden Smith. Not not the way that this is designed and not the way that Painter was going to defend him, which was basically taking Renew out as much as he could and getting, you know, letting Galloway kind of, you know, and, and Trey, I thought, had offensively a good game across the board. It's just there wasn't a whole lot else of not, not a whole lot of other firepower in that game, especially when it was competitive to really offset what was happening. You got you got to get more guys involved. You got to get guys more shots. That's that's all there is. That's really all there is to it. Because in the modern game of basketball, and if you're not you know, and even even if you're coaching eight year olds, you know, it's really you know, yeah, you can have that. You know, it, it it's kind of like yeah, one kid can dribble and drive and and shoot a layup. We're not playing that. You know, these th- this is a much more advanced stage and trying to beat a team, uh, the number two team in the country with two guys on offense, just isn't working for you. Yep. Coach Marlowe, I do assume that uh, better days are ahead for you tomorrow with the uh, with the women's game. But uh, what are your opening thoughts on on the loss tonight? Uh, 
couple things actually um you know first of all i want to uh shout uh, i wish as a shout out. i want to pass along some condolences to the Farrell family on yogi's father passing away um uh, so for people who hadn't seen that news so uh, uh, condolences to them at least for me maybe i shouldn't speak here on a simply call for that but uh, i'll i'll say that um you know bob hit a lot of great points and and i you know we'll talk a little bit more meaningful moment and look at some of the numbers but you started the game with some really nice movement. You had some people, you know, the ball was moving, the players were moving and you were scoring on about every possession in that first six to eight minutes um, from that standpoint. And so I really liked what I saw. I still don't know where the disconnect is and why we get so stagnant. I know lineups have a lot to do with it. It, it really does. I get that. And I was not a big fan of sparks in the game tonight. I, I like sparks. I, I like the kid, but he does not draw Edie away from the basket and you've got to draw Edie away from the basket to open things up. And then that also, you know, it also puts him in a little bit worse position defensively. Maybe you draw a foul on him. I know he's not going to pick up many, but you draw maybe an extra foul or so on him because he's trying to guard on the perimeter. I, 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 Bob, I kind of get your in, and Andy too. I'm not trying to take over the show here. But even more worse, I thought that group at the end of the game, last five six minutes, I thought they played a little more freely. And and again, they were behind. It's easy to play a little freer when you're behind. But I kind of liked what I saw. They were they were pushing pace a little bit. They were they were shooting threes. They weren't hitting a ton of them, but they were at least shooting more volume threes with the group that was out there. So I, I really don't have a lot of. Uh, I'm not going to fill just fill time here, but you know it, it's it is what it is. Right now, this team just can't shoot consistently enough, especially from beyond five feet, to get back into a game. Once the you know, and for the most part, now they did their night at Ohio State, but I had no, but I don't think very many of us had confidence that once they got down 16, 17 points, that they could come back in Mackey. Yeah, not not in this environment. Uh, you know, in terms of. In terms of storylines, I'm going to start with the offense. Um, I, I had it at IU ended up in the second half at one point per possession. I think a lot of that was inflated a bit late with uh, you know some more lax Purdue defense with the game largely out of reach. And um, and I do think you're you're right, Jeff, that some of the guys did play a little more free. But IU ended up at 0.87 points per possession uh, over the course of the game. Purdue only ended up at 1.16, which Given how they usually execute offensively, it's certainly not great when you look at it from a defensive standpoint. But um, you know, I use not going to beat a really good team like Purdue scoring the way they did. There was a stretch, uh, kind of mid to late the first half. They scored one point in fourteen possessions. Mm -hmm. Then you had the three Trey Galloway buckets to end the half, and then they came out the first eight possessions of the second half and didn't score. I think a lot of that, you know, we, we touched on already. I think some of it was lineup stuff, not being able to have Malik Renew out there uh, during part of that stretch, not having Khalil Ware out there in the, you know, a big chunk of that stretch in the second mm -hmm. half. Um, but, but Bob, I mean, what, how, how do you kind of watch this team offensively and juxtapose what you saw at the beginning of the game where you had good player movement, some really nice passes for easy baskets, with what it really became that that to me just felt like when things started to go poorly, the shot selection got to be terrible and it was guys trying to just, I think probably, it, it, you know, in a positive way, trying mm -hmm. to make plays for people, but the shots were just terrible in those stretches. The player movement went away. Like how do you kind of 
what do you chalk that up to as you watch the game, seeing that there are flashes where they can do it, but then other times for long stretches of time, there's just nothing to be done. I, I think to start and to start a game, oftentimes teams will start off kind of a script. Like we're going to try three or you know, we're going to try maybe five actions in this order to kind of see how we're going to be defended. And oftentimes, you know, early in games, teams will, teams will score on those initial actions just because, you know, they, they're running them crisply. And I felt like, you know, IU usually has good starts to their games. Um, it's not, you know, usually the wheels start falling off somewhere between the 12 and eight minute mark of the second half in the first half. It, it feels to me like they came out, they were loose, they, they made the right reads. And then that first read is kind of adjusted to. And I think in many respects, Matt Painter is really has been good at this throughout his career at Purdue. He's going to, t and, and all really good coaches do this. They're going to take away the thing you want to do the most whether it's a player, whether it's a certain action. And I feel like that when they begin to sag off a little bit and they begin to take away the passing, you know, really the cutting, you know, the, 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 the cutting lanes for Indiana and really interfere the passing lanes, it kind of started slowing the slowing IU down a little bit. And then they started hitting on the offensive end. And the next part of this, and this is probably the, the, the worst part, is what this team has done traditionally throughout the season. When the other team starts scoring and they're not able to match it, the tunnel vision begins. And I think we see a lot of that tunnel vision where IU is getting down into position or you know, they're, they're, they're starting their, their offense and they don't see the whole floor. And that's a good example of that would be the Cups turnover. Just a simple little pass where it goes to a pick six. Renew had one where he was pushing tempo. Guns sprinting down to the corner like he's supposed to. Oh, I need to get it to Trey. I need to. I need to go to the base. To, to I need to get it to our guard to set up a you know set up a set or to get into our flow. When instead you had CJ wide open in the corner and you pass and cut and then you're there for the rebound. So you you feel like oftentimes it's kind of almost a wash rinse repeat where they miss a couple, the movement and then the other team hits a couple the movement stops because they start kind of tightening up a little bit and it's hard for them to get back out of it. And then you don't really regain whatever you learn from the first five plays of your script. Yeah. And coach Marlowe throw this one to, to you as well. Yeah. This was a really rough game for Malik uh, ends up fouling out only played 23 minutes was three of 11 from the floor ended up with six points and he had four points within the first couple minutes of the game. Uh, what did you what did you see from Purdue that they did to to really make him as uncomfortable as he was and and kind of take him out of things uh, as a guy who's been such a leader uh, for IU so far this season? I just I put it in the Discord. Malik was just bad tonight. I mean, it just no really other way to say it. Um, there were times again he over dribbled tonight. I, I'm not mm -hmm. a fan of when he's trying to back down and he gets two three people around him. He's great when it's one on one. Malik's as good as you got in the Big Ten, maybe. But Purdue was digging and sometimes coming with two, maybe even three guys, and he's still dribbling. And we're not getting it out to people who are open now. Not that we're good at very very good at hitting the shot when we kick it out. I, and then I, he got some foul trouble. And I thought you could kind of see it in his face, Andy, especially in the second half. The frustration was really visible. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fouls that got called on him. And, and again, they you're on the road in the Big Ten. I get it. I, I wouldn't have thought there were some fouls. I didn't think were fouls, but I'm biased. I'm a fan of the team in red. But 
yeah, I just, I just felt like that frustration when, it, especially for Malik, and I'm not going to try and be a total armchair psychologist here, but when you can kind of see his visual frustration, he's really just, you know, he's not in his, he, the, the head's not in the game. And I just thought that was a lot of it for him. Yeah. I thought the difference was, you know, we saw some of that at the beginning of the second half of the Ohio state game, and he was able to kind of reset, get back in, make a couple Dunk. plays and settle himself down. And he never was mm -hmm. able to make those plays mm -hmm. and settle himself down. And it just kind of snowballed for him. Um, so I'm going to flip the other side of the ball a, a bit here and, and talk about the defense. Uh, you know, first half seemed like they were taking the approach of we're going to let Edie get his, really tried to take away three-point shooters, weren't helping off much. Uh, and Edie still got, you know, got some points, got, but didn't really get, you know, Ware got it, picked up a second foul and ended up sitting out, which, you know, you can replay thoughts from uh, about the, the auto benching. Uh, from previous shows on that. Uh, but Braden Smith really got going uh, as well. Uh, those two, I believe, combined in the first half for more points than what IU had. They combined for 45 uh, on the game. And, and Coach Marlowe, I'll throw this back to you first. You know, what was IU? You know, Cups, I think, struggled. Um, you know, they're, they're basically weaving him through screens and rescreens uh, with, with Edie and just trying to get him uh, going downhill. But uh, you know, what, what did you see that, that caused some of the breakdowns from IU that, that led to Smith being able to, to get going so much and, and score so much early in the game? A couple things I thought, first of all, I thought Gabe was getting caught up in the screens and maybe they weren't communicating some of the screens early. Um, I also, I'd be interested to see what Bob thought about it a little bit too, just in case. Um, but I, I was a little surprised with Braden Smith that they were so committed to going over the top of the screen and then allowing him to get downhill. I know we were trying not to leave shooters, but I think I'm not sure Braden Smith shots the quickest thing in the world. So I think you could have gone under the screen and, and maybe still been able to get back to the three. Um, but I think they were so Andy, in my opinion, I put this in the discord and Bob was in there for a little bit. I, I think they got so locked into the scouting report was do not leave the shooters. Mm -hmm. And the bigs were told whoever was guarding, I saw this a couple times with Khalil. I saw it a couple times with sparks when they were guarding Edie, they didn't come and help either. So it was a lot of just straight downhill drive and some of it was on Gabe, but I felt like Gabe was pretty much doing what the scouting report told him to do when he wasn't getting any help. And that's, and I get it, but they were so locked in that they weren't going to leave a shooter in the corner and they weren't going to come off of Edie. There wasn't anybody else there. And, and so it, it just seemed like their attitude was they were going to give up twos and dunks than long threes. And I think they felt like going into the game, that was their best scouting report strategy to stay in it late and possibly get get out of there with a win. But I don't think you can let – personally, I don't think you can let Braden Smith get layups. I, if you're making him shoot 12 and 14-footers, that's different. Yeah, I thought there were times when they w would do that and then the big guy's getting – basically walled off by Purdue's post players to so there's really no even opportunity to step in but uh coach Motes I'll, I'll throw it back to you you know what did you see from IU defensively that that contributed to Smith getting off to such a good start I I think a lot of it was you know again Matt Painter early on kind of ran his stuff saw there was vulnerability saw how they were guarding going over the top of the screens versus going underneath them and that's where the variance in ball screen coverage becomes essential and, this, and, and, how, and how you vary over the course of a game. The, the worst thing, no, you can't let Braden Smith drive the ball on you. Um, you have to find a way to keep him out of the lane. I'd be like with Fletcher Lawyer, let him drive all day. But Braden Smith, 
you know, in reality, what the game, you know, when, when you, there should have been a moment where the thought was, okay, how do we get this out of his hands faster? How do we get this where he's forced to, you know, go to a secondary option in the set a little quicker versus just kind of letting Purdue dictate their terms on offense? The last two years, IU has done a phenomenal job of doing just that. They've done a phenomenal job of basically taking, you know, getting the ball out of Purdue's hands and just not letting them, you know, not letting them run their sets uh, to, to their maximum efficiency. And what you were seeing was you were just seeing a team that's very good at executing in Purdue and a team with Indiana that struggles to communicate on defense. Coach is exactly right. The, they need to be calling the screen out you know, a lot sooner. They know it's coming. Um, you know, he's got his back to the action as he's got the, as he's got the pressure coming. So, you know, he may know it's there, but he doesn't know exactly where it is. And a little bit of, just a little bit of help, just a little bit of forcing Smith to go a little more East-West. And that I think was part of the issue too. And I think Jeff hit the nail on the head, which is you can sometimes tie yourself down to a scouting report so, so, so effectively that you basically prevent yourself from, you know, being able to adjust to the adjustments that the other team is making. Same time, yeah, they scored 37. Honestly, I believe an Indiana University team going into Mackey Arena should be able to score 37 points and a half. Just that, 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 that's the other part of, part of this, which is your defensive game plan wasn't awful. Um, and eventually they did clean up pretty well with Smith, but when you're not hitting and when you're not, when, when your offense is that inefficient, it's really hard also to get, and it's also hard because you're doing, you're playing in transition more. And that's a, that, that's another issue that they're running, that you run into in that situation. So I don't know. I think a lot of it with, with cups is, you know, he'll take the brunt of it, but you have a freshman guard in the big 10 in a system that's not communicating particularly well. And this is the result. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, two things on that one I think the communication piece is pretty critical I mean we again saw tonight multiple defensive breakdowns where you have nobody's on a shooter then two guys go you know lunge mm -hmm. at the same shooter and, and that kind of stuff and you're just you're so far into the season at this point to be having those kinds of communication breakdowns it's um it's it's obviously disappointing and I think with with cups I think uh, you hit it on the head coach Marlowe I, I I don't totally put that on him because I think he's doing what they're asking him to do um but there just didn't seem to be quickly enough a, a plan b and, and i think the net result of that you know talking to offense and defense is everything for iu seemed like a struggle and everything purdue for purdue seemed really easy um mm -hmm. it's about as simple as that and i think it speaks to where these two teams are right now you know one other you know quick storyline just to throw out i know we'll do stats in a bit you know the the rebounding totals iu ends up minus 15 uh, on the glass, Purdue gets 15 offensive rebounds compared to just five for IU. Uh, I, there was a lot of times IU just wasn't even sending anybody to the glass. And I just think you look at some of these statistical areas where IU really needed to, uh, you know, to do well. They had to try to – you're not going to neutralize them because of Edie's size. Um, but that was just the one glaring statistical area. IU four of 16 on threes was the other one. Um, but but – Coach Marlowe, I mean, what do you – I just felt like some of the rebounding is just same things we've seen before. Nobody getting a body on anybody, and then Purdue just going and getting the ball, and IU standing around and watching. 
Yeah, I, it, it's frustrating because I it, there are glimpses of it, like the last game at Ohio State, where you felt like they they were starting to hit somebody on a screen out, and they were, you know, they were were getting to the loose balls. And and tonight, again, I get it. Edie's going to give them an advantage on the glass with his size and his ability to kind of back tap. But there was one possession there, Andy. I think it was the first half where what three, four straight offensive rebounds, uh, you know, they now Purdue ended up not scoring on any of it. They end up throwing it away on a ball that went out, um, a shot that barely grazed iron and he went to save it and threw it right to Mike Woodson, if I remember right. Um, so the rebounding part of it's frustrating. And again, I think it goes back. You look, you know, again, I realize that tonight Malik only played 23 minutes, but in a game like this, Malik has to have more than five rebounds. And, and, and that's, that's just a given. Um, but there's just, right now defensively because they're scrambling in my opinion they they end up scrambling so much to cover shooters and we leave our feet way more than any other team in the country on a pump fake but we're scrambling to cover shooters well now there's no you're not in position to rebound so it all kind of ties back into the fact to the defensive lapses because of the miscommunication or the no communication that gets you into a situation where you're trying to cover and like tonight anthony lill i'll go back to here's one to me andy that i was wanted to bring up there was late in the it was in the second half it wasn't going to matter it was not going to matter win or loss but it gets down to like like six on the shot clock they dump it into Edie and we triple team him and then that leaves lawyer wide open well Anthony Leal's really two spots away but he rushes out to try and contest the shot and he fouls him but why are we triple teaming with less than the five on the shot clock? I didn't understand that move at all. And I'm, and I'm not sure that was in the game plan. I think that's part of that miscommunication that then goes into scrambling to cover shooters and then leaving people open for rebounding. And, and I would just say, I think sometimes this team pulls a crazy, you know, come for an October crazy Ivan where they just all of a sudden somebody just sips and sips. And it's like, you could just tell like Walker is just now dead sprinting down to try to take away something from Edie leaving, I don't know, the guy, the, the last guy in the gym, the last guy in the northern half of the state you want to leave open for a three-point shot. And Zach Eady with a 45-degree angle to hit him with enough time for him to catch and shoot. It's, it's again, that, that sort of almost, sometimes you, it, it, it Coach Tonsoni calls it fake hustle. That's a fake hustle type play. Mm -hmm. You're trying to make something happen when something isn't, you know, when it's really not your time to let that work, to let that be the case. And I felt like throughout the game, Khalil Ware did a great job with, you know, early on of his length was really disrupting Zach Eady. So putting him in that position to do so, more so than anything else, you know, IU may be one of the few teams in the Big Ten, maybe one of the few teams in the country that could, hypothetically, if he stays out of foul trouble, take Eady more one-on-one -on -one because of who they have down there, because of the diversity and the differences in those spots. Last thing I would say is um, secure the ball on rebounds secure the ball balls hitting the guys in the hands. And I don't know why it's why, you know, heck just two hands on the rebound too. I mean, I see a lot of guys going up and trying to slap it and it's just, we probably lose half of the offensive rebounds. We're talking about just a basic ball security, not just not blocking out, but just grabbing a ball and being aggressive with that grab, being aggressive with the catch. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue our breakdown of IU's 79-59 loss to Purdue. We'll go to some meaningful moments you might have missed and then go inside the numbers. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us.
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hi, this is AJ Moyer. What's the only thing better than upsetting Duke in the Sweet 16? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach for the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers! All right, and welcome back to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Andy Bottoms here with a pair of coaches, Bob Motes and Jeff Marlowe, and we're breaking down IU 79-59 loss at Purdue. And it's now time for today's Meaningful Moment That You Might Have Missed. Meaningful moments that you might have missed. Well, I'm gonna, for this, I'm going to go back to the end of the first half uh, on the heels of that stretch of uh, 14 possessions where IU had one point it was it seemed like the game was really getting away from IU in that stretch and you had three straight plays where Trey Galloway was able to get buckets uh, hit essentially a floater push shot whatever from the free throw line um, which after he had just missed two free throws I was inclined to say maybe he should start using that as his um, free throw form I'm not sure uh, but anyway he, he had that had another great reverse after that and then uh, off a nice defensive play from C.J. Gunn, was able to get a bucket uh, late in the half. And that really, I think it was 13 maybe before he did that. They still traded baskets a little bit in there, but got it down to 12 at halftime to at least make what seemed to be a workable margin until uh, <laughs> till the you know the first few possessions of the second half proved that that was not true. Uh, but I thought, you know, in terms of things that you might forget about the game, uh, you know, that was really the, the last time that IU showed significant signs of life. Uh, I thought Trey was, again, felt like a game where he was just forced to try to do so much. Uh, ends up mm-hmm. 4 of 11, was 0 of 4 on threes. Just didn't seem like he got his legs under him on a number of those attempts. He did lead the team with seven assists uh, as well. Had had three rebounds, did have three turnovers. Um, so certainly among the highlights for him uh, was that stretch of play at the at the end of the half. So Coach Marlowe, as the resident uh, president of the uh, Trey Galloway fan club. I'll throw this to you first. Any thoughts on that stretch or, or just Trey's uh, play overall in the game tonight? I, I thought Trey played okay. I mean, it was not his best game. He, he did struggle a little bit shooting the ball, but it, it, it across the board, I mean, it's everybody struggled. Andy, you pointed out there was two significantly long stretches where nobody scored. So I, I have a hard time laying that all on one player when it's, but there, but I do think that you, 
I feel like at least when I watched the game, Trey, Anthony, even a little bit today, I felt CJ Gunn felt some pride in the name on the front of the uniform. I, I thought, you know, at least they were playing hard. They were battling. And I want to go to kind of hear the same thing, Andy. I know he can't play 40 minutes, but right now you talked about the assists. Who do you probably trust the most on the floor right now with the people who are available healthy? Trey's probably the one person you trust the most. We don't play for another week. You know, I, you, I would have got maybe the full 40 minutes out of Galloway tonight and put, you know, and, and taking some timeouts, maybe, especially when Purdue was making run um, to maybe catch him a, a breather here or there. But I, I will go back to this. And, and I think Bob may have even mentioned it a little bit to me, a meaningful moment tonight involves Trey. We took him out. We were only down four. I think we take him out. And I get it. I understand they were trying to give him a breather, but we come out of the timeout that we take him out and we turn it over on a five second count. We came and get the ball in. And then it was also that lineup that I think we talked a little bit about in the discord that just who was going to score, who was, who was, you know, what you just didn't have a good vibe. And, but by the time Trey gets back in, it's a double digit game. And, and so I just felt that that was, you know, again, we probably weren't going to win and Trey wasn't playing the greatest game. But I would have probably milked forty minutes out of him tonight if I could have. Yeah, that, that's what I was gonna. I was gonna kind of tee you up with that, Bob, because I I was gonna call call that stretch out. I mean, I in the text with the the guys. I mean, that was to me when it really went sideways at that point. Now I'll give Woodson credit. He left Mbako in for a long time in the first half, knowing that mm-hmm. you know he needed him to be a threat on the court. But basically, as soon as they took Galloway out, things kind of went to crap. Um, as you said, you know, he took him out after that timeout, which seems strange to me, like you're getting him rest in the timeout. And so you have that play where they're trying to run somebody open. I think it was Leal they were trying to get the ball. Like, Leal's just not a guy who's in that situation normally, getting hounded by a a, a solid defensive guard and having to figure out a way to get himself open. So you do that. uh, Things really – you're 100% right. That's where it snowballed. I'm trying to figure out where I I took this. Yeah, take a timeout, five-second call. Next, the, the next defensive possession, Ware gets his second foul and goes out. Then you have that Cups turnover that leads to a Purdue three. Uh, and mm-hmm. and you could hear either players on the court for Purdue or the bench calling out what IU was doing. And Braden Smith just freelance. He didn't even follow his guy on that play. Knew right where Cups was going to go. He had predetermined where he was going to go and did something like that. And that is – for all the faults that you may say that Trey Galloway has, like he's able to improvise a little bit in some of those situations when it's not there. And, um, and so I thought that stretch where he was out was absolutely critical. Uh, so, so Bob, I'll throw it to you for thoughts on that stretch or, or Galloway in general. I, much like coach said, I mean, I, I felt like Trey, again, the shooting wasn't great, but again, nobody's was really. And I, <clears throat> I feel that it, 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 it's almost unfair to the kid, the position they're putting him in, because I do feel like, you know, he's being asked to be a big 10 point guard when in reality, he's, he's really just a, a very good, very effective small wing. Um, I felt he was really good at tonight, especially in ball screens, um, doing a really good job of finding open spaces and creating angles. Um, something that, you know, if he had asked me two years ago, could he have done that? It definitely was not on, on his, on, in his, in his skill repertoire. Um, but I think more and more with Trey, it's, it's a thing of you put him on, you know, when cups wasn't working on Braden Smith, you put Trey on Braden Smith. When, um, 
you know, things are going south, you're putting the ball in Trey's hands and expecting him to make something happen. It goes back to kind of what I opened with, which is you can't play two on five. And I think so many times it feels like the system that we're running offensively is designed for this guy at 35% utilization, this guy at 25% utilization. And even if they're not using the analytics that way, it definitely feels like this team said, you know, the, the mindset is we need to get the ball to Malik. We need to get the ball to Khalil. We need to get the ball to, to, to Trey. And to your point, Andy, about Leal, it, it may seem counterintuitive what I'm saying, but he's not a guy that's going to be doing a lot of movement away from the ball. Like you're not, you're, you're he's more of a guy that's going to be, he's open because the help leaves him. That's how, that's how he gets open. You know, if you're trying to get him to be a primary guy in this situation, it's not really the same. It's, it doesn't really work too well. So you kind of have to do the read and react. And the whole point about read and react c- concepts are you have to actually react. You just can't go on autopilot. Because by this point in the season, everybody knows what you're running. Everybody knows what you're calling it. Everybody's got the notes. So now that improvisation, that reaction, the counters, all the things, whatever whatever you call them in your, in your program, in your system, have got to be in a position where you guys knowing, okay, you know where Smith is. That guy is not just standing there. He's cutting or he's doing something else. And I don't feel like I used at that point yet where we're still, I still think that this team's still a little bit on autopilot on that. Yeah, the other, I guess it's a maybe a series of moments that I'll talk about. If we want to try to take something positive away from this game, it would probably be the second half play of C.J. Gunn. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ends up with 13 points in the second half. Uh, we talked about Galloway. Galloway did not score at all in the second half, although he did have five, uh, five of those seven assists then. Only four players scored for IU in the second half. Uh, that was led by C.J. Gunn with 13. He was four of five from the floor, three of four from three in that stretch, two of four from the free throw line. So, uh, you know, in fitting with – the way this team has played, uh, his worst shooting came from the foul line. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's difficult to figure out what to take away from that or if we should take anything away from that because some of those did kind of come in garbage time, but some of those were you know not all at the very end of the game uh, and, and, and those kinds of things. So, again, in the interest of trying to find something positive, I thought CJ shot it confidently, uh, shot it well. In the second half, again, it wasn't a pressure situation, so take that all with a grain of salt. But, uh, you know, Coach Motes, I'll throw that to you first. What, what were your impressions of CJ in the in the second half and what was able to help him be successful? And I will say he made a nice defensive play to end the half uh, when he got the block, uh, the block three that led to the Galloway bucket. So, you know, did some good things on that end of the floor in the in the first half. But uh, but thoughts on, on what you saw from him in the second half and, oh. and how sustainable you think it might be going forward? Can comes into the game uh, 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 during a free throw situation, gets on the lane, and he's the one who secures the rebound. And I've been noticing when CJ comes in, he's rebounding the ball well. I, I feel like um, that he he is making an impact, and, and he is doing a lot of the little things at times. I just feel like it's it's just where, where it happens, a lot of times it's an experience mistake or it's almost like he's pressing too hard of a mistake. And that's, I think, what we saw a little bit in the first half. Um, goes out in the second. And, I mean, if you're a scorer and you're hitting shots, I don't believe in garbage time. I mean, I believe that if you're you're coaching a team, you're getting something out of your dudes, and you're trying to find something to build on. When you're getting just blown out on the road, 
in a rivalry game. You got the Purdue fans yelling IU sucks and everything else. It's just, it's a hostile environment. You're trying to get something that you can build on at the end of it. I think what CJ did tonight is something that can be built, you know, could be built on, especially for him, a kid that hasn't been shooting the ball a lot. And when he is shooting it, not shooting it particularly well, there's some confidence there that, that that's built. And I think the recognition of you go in your first, the first thing you do is you get a rebound on a night where you're not rebounding the ball. Well, you had a great defensive play to end the half you were. And I believe he was their leading scorer tonight. Yeah, he was. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it doesn't, maybe nothing comes of it, but at the very least it's something in this next. And again, we're a week in between games. It's something for this coaching staff, you know, if his, you know, to say, okay, we know you can do this. And also to be able to say to the other players, look what this guy did in that in this situation. You guys know we have other options on this team. Yeah, I think when you when you look at that, it was interesting. He he was a guy that Woodson had talked about this week in terms of needing wanting to try to get minutes, needing to try to get minutes for him. He also has mentioned him in the same breath as Caleb Banks, who did not play at all in this game, which uh, he seems to be pretty deep in the doghouse at this point. I would, uh, I would think, if you're not getting into this game based on how it was going. Uh, but Coach Marlowe, any uh, any other meaningful moments that you had that you wanted to uh, to talk through? I know you said you had one, but you may have already brought it up. So, uh, no. if so, we can we can yeah. move along. But I, if you have one, hop, have at it. I don't want to. I just want to kind of get on top of what Bob was saying. I totally agree. There, there are not. You know, you were down twenty. I get that. But in a game like that, it's easy. I've been there as a coach. Bob's been there as a coach where that 20-point game ends up being 35. And so you're, as a coach, you want to see your kids keep battling. Was it great? Were we winning? No. But you want to keep battling. And there is no such thing as garbage time, especially your kids coming in off the bench. You're trying to get something out of them. You're trying to build some confidence. You're trying to build some 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 energy with them. I, I think the one thing I would say about CJ, and I, and I would know there's going to be a lot of the fan base that doesn't agree with me. But the kid just needs to play. And I mean, sometimes you just got to let kids play. I'm, I'm never been one. Sometimes your shooter isn't your best defensive player. He makes some defensive mistakes. We got other guys on the team that are making defensive mistakes. If that's what's being held against him, then we need to take a longer look in the film room about what we're doing on the rotations. But that's a different argument. But he, he, he may be streaky, you know. But again, that's that was to a certain degree, you have to have that philosophy. If you're a shooter, you missed four in a row, you're making the next four. And and I just think you got to get him some playing time. And again, I know everybody's talking about seeing him possibly in the transfer portal and all that, but I honestly not sure. I think if you could feel that if the kid felt like he has a future here for next year, but I also go back to this Andy and kind of meaningful moment. We don't run anything for him. We don't run anything outside of that staggered double screen. I do want to, go, you know, if you watch the women there, and I know this isn't DTW, but you watch the women there tonight when they were in a crutch, clutch situation with Michigan State there tonight, they ran Sarah Scalia all the way across the baseline. She started on one wing. They ran her through a double a baseline st- double screen, couldn't get her open on that side. Then they ran her back all the way across the other side to get her a shot. We never do that for Mbako. We don't do it for Cup or for uh, Gun. We don't. We didn't do it for Miller Cop. You know it. We, I don't get why we're not running some stuff for shooters. Anthony Lill has limitations. I get that. 
But where was the winning shot the other night? You planted him in the corner, you put the ball in Trey Galloway's hands, and he drove and he kicked it out to a shooter. I don't understand how hard that is, but yet we seem to think it's calculus as far as the coaching staff to do that. And I'm not, I'm trying not to do the Ryan rant here because that's not my role, but CJ Gunn run some plays for him and just let him play. Cause right now, more than likely you're not making the tournament anyway, get as many minutes out of him. See if you can build him up for next year. Uh, I, I applaud everything that you just said. <laughs> that was, that was outstanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not running stuff for him or anybody, but I, I do think the the thing that you started that with is probably the thing that I thought of the most was he finally got a chance to play enough to get into some kind of rhythm in the game and be able to develop confidence within the game. And there's just times you're going to have to to do that. And Woodson can sit and talk about that and media availability about, Oh, I need to get these guys more minutes. I need to do whatever. You know, there, there's an argument to be made that, you know, some of the minutes that an Anthony Walker is getting at the end of the game, do you give Caleb Banks some of those minutes? Like you have to see what you might have with these guys. And and you're right. You, you cannot look at this team like one that's going to go to the NCAA tournament right now, as much as you might want to tell yourself that it, you know, things can turn around and whatever else, like there's a reality component to this of, you got to figure out if he can play. And for a team that has substantial offensive limitations in the backcourt right now, it just, you know, it begs the question of whether he should get more, more time and who knows what happens in a week from now. But, uh, you know, coach Motes, I know you said you had another moment that you wanted to hit. So I'll, uh, I'll throw it to you to, to hit that before we get to stats real quick. Khalil Ware second half sets up and beyond the arc drills a three-point shot nothing but nylon the first three-point shot i you had all night and i thought to myself why the heck why the heck didn't we do this 12 times tonight you know when you talk about a guy that's honestly shooting around 40 percent from three that was something that you know you, you have an advantage use it and i i would love to see us i mean renew took a couple didn't go in but I just kept kind of thinking to myself that that was, you know, that was something where you're going to, you know, at that point now, Purdue has to adjust their entire game plan to deal with something that you're doing offensively. And again, I felt like most of, most all, most throughout, throughout all the, the evening, it was something that Matt Painter didn't have to really work very hard. You know, we, we walked right into a scouting report. Yep. Coach Marley, you said you did have, you did have one. You didn't, you weren't content to end with the rant about the offense, you still no. want to jump back in, which I commend you for. So, so go ahead. Well, it's not only the rant, but it's just, you know, look, I know tonight was not fun to watch, but do we really honestly, you know, even as the biggest fans I am, I wanted us to compete. Now you can make the argument how well we competed, but you were going into a place that they know darn well what we did to them last year, whole different group of guys. But at the beginning of the week, if you would have said you were one and one at the end of the week, you would have taken it. Now, and I know everybody would like to have had the Purdue game, but you're one and one at the end of the week on a two-game road trip. Now you got to find a way to win every game at home and still feel like you can steal one on the road or so. Get yourself in the best position for the Big Ten tournament because you're going to have to probably win the Big Ten tournament. But get yourself as good a seat as possible. But seriously, I would at the beginning of the week, you told me you were going to be one and one on a two-game road trip. I'd take it. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's go inside the numbers. Uh, But a reminder before we do that, the Meaningful Moment is brought to you by our friends at the Hoosier Ticket Project, where they help individuals and families experience Indiana University athletic events in person for the first time through the generosity of alumni and fans. 
To learn more about how you can donate money or extra tickets to help create meaningful moments for other IU fans, you can visit HoosierTicketProject.org. Again, that's HoosierTicketProject.org. And thanks again to them uh, for being out at the event last weekend. Uh, really happy with the amount of money that was able to be raised, even though I wasn't able to come home with any of the uh, the great uh, auction items. But as we go inside the numbers, uh, those are brought to us by Jackson Hewitt Tax Services. And if you live in Bloomington or the surrounding areas, and you want your taxes done right, contact our friend and Chat Mob Hall of Famer, Megan Mahaffey, and her team in Bloomington, Bedford, and Martinsville by calling 812-339-3334 or by visiting jacksonhewitt.com. All right, guys. So uh, stats, we, we touched on this a little bit. The rebounding was a, a you know big number that we talked about. Uh, you know, IU ends up with four guys in double figures, uh, led by C.J. Gunn. Uh, with 13, Mackenzie Mbako had 12, Khalil Ware 11, Trey Galloway had 10. Uh, as you look at individual numbers, Purdue had just two guys in double figures. That was uh, Smith and Edie that we talked about before. They combined for 45 points, uh, but they had a few other guys that scored, uh, you know, between five and nine. Uh, as you went there, you know, numbers that I'll throw out. There's a you know points in the paint. Purdue only outscored IU by two points in the paint, 30 to 28. IU bench points actually outscored Purdue 20 to 15. So there's a couple numbers you look at those and are in and would say if you told me that before the game you'd feel relatively good about it. Um, but then you enter the rebounds, uh, you get outscored 12 to four on second chance points. You look at the three point shooting. Purdue makes twice as many threes as IU. They make eight. IU makes four. Uh, and and then Purdue goes to the line 33 times. IU just 15, uh, and they only hit. 60% of them when they did get there. Uh, so, you know, Bob, I'll throw this to you first. Any of those numbers uh, particularly stand out to you or anything else that I uh, that I missed? I, I would just start by saying this was not Purdue's banner day for them. It wasn't like they played, you know, blazing great uh, by any stretch of the imagination by their standard. I will add an, I will add one that, you know, I, I, you know per synergy that IU uh, went to the post only six times tonight. So, they were doing and they and they scored one point per possession so basically six points on paint on paint touches and that also includes passes out of the post um or post touches i should say purdue went to the post 21 times and scored right around 1.1 points per possession so really when you think about how we've talked about this team being so reliant on the post iu didn't really go to the post as much as they've gone traditionally in the past. In fact, I think, you know, a couple other real quick synergy things. IU um, had 18 pick and roll ball handler. Purdue had 20. IU scored one point per possession. Purdue scored eight. One thing that Purdue did really well was they shut off Indiana's handoffs, you know, which is something they're not really good at guarding. Um, really kind of mitigated the damage there. So when you kind of look at this from just kind of a, what type of plays were, you know, kind of where the ball was being scored from or where the shots were coming from, so much of this was, you know, Purdue was just able to really use Zach Eady to dominate and have Braden Smith attacking very effectively off the bounce. And um, the numbers really kind of back that up. And then you throw the rebounding in it, and that pretty much just cooks you. I mean, that's, that's, that's why you take a team, a game that should have been, when you look at about when you look at most of the statistical comparison, this should have been an even you know, this should have been a three possession game at most. And in reality it turned into a ten possession game. Coach Marlowe, 
Any uh, numbers stand out to you? I'm going to go back to the shooting again. Uh, the threes, uh, the second half looked a little, at least a little more modern in terms they shot 11 threes uh, in the second half. They only shot five in the first half. You know, what, again, if you shoot 10 or 11, you're going to make it. They were 0 for 5, but again, 36% for the for the second half, and that ends up being 25% for the game. But the 11 threes, at least I can live with that. Purdue's got a seven foot four guy that's probably the player of the year or, or will be the player. Seven foot four, and they shoot well. I mean, they're averaging over 23s a game. Everybody says, well, you got to go to your best, you know, your post, you know, get it inside your post players. They got the seven foot four guy, and they still shoot it over 20 times a game from beyond the arc. Why can't we? Uh, I, I'm right there with you. I mean, this is just, again, you got to invite a little bit of variance into the game here. It, it, IU was not going to win this game given the disparity and how these teams have played so far by not shooting a, a lot of threes. And yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, I think some of the ones in the second half were not even great shots and they still ended up four out of 11. Uh, uh, overall, again, you just have to invite some variance into the game in order to, to and, try to overcome uh, what what's going on there, and, and they just were not really able to do that. And real quick, there are times where you have teams that are talented enough to be able just to kind of do not have that type of variance. This team is not is not is not does not have the same. It doesn't have that talent level where they can just you know ch- play chalk basically. Where you say, okay, here's here's how it's, you know we're gonna we're just gonna kind of go with what we have, and we know we're gonna score eighty. We're just not in that position as a program. So yeah, you got to have the variance, and you got to mix that up a lot, quite a lot of times. Yep, I don't know that I can handle talking about too many more of the numbers. So we'll take a break. Uh, we come back, we'll hand out our game balls and Hoosier Hustle Award, discuss a lingering question, and look ahead to Indiana's upcoming opponent. That's all next here on the Assembly Hall. Stick with us. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. And welcome back to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Um, Andy Bottoms here with Bob Motes and Jeff Marlowe, and we are breaking down IU's 79-59 loss at Purdue. It is now time for our Game Balls presented by our friends Allie and James at Bloom Environmental. And they want to make sure that everyone knows about radon, a colorless, odorless, radioactive gas that is the leading cause of lung cancer in non-smokers. And according to the EPA, Monroe County and other surrounding counties throughout Indiana are expected to have elevated levels of radon above the action level recommended for mitigation. 
So contact Bloom Environmental today and mention Assembly Call for a free radon test kit and mitigation estimate. You can learn more about that at uh, www.bloomenviro.com. All right, time for our game balls. Always uh, a real treat in a game like this, but uh, we got to do what we got to do. Uh, so, uh, Coach Marlowe, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, who gets your game ball for tonight? Dang, I was hoping I was going to go last because um, <laughs> I could just kind of agree with who everybody says. I, I, again, there's I don't think there's too many where what places you can go, places you can go here. There's a couple, but for the totality of the game, because of the way he played from beginning to end. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Trey. I mean, 10 points, seven assists, um, three rebounds, a steal, I, I, you know, just because of the totality of the game from beginning to at least end. I felt Trey was put, putting his heart and soul into it. Didn't play his best game, but I, I'm, I'm going to go with Trey here just because of the, like I said, for the totality of the game. All right, Bob, who you got? I'm going CJ Gunn on this one. And Coach brings up some great points with Trey, but I look at CJ just because when – when everything, when you're down almost by 30 points, he just he kept scrapping, kept going. The the play to end the half was a big one. I I just I think, and I also think that this is one of those times where it's like you look at it and you say, okay, well, reward the guy that was that, that really kind of just performed at the highest level, at his highest level of the of the of the of the season, and that was um, that was CJ tonight. Um, Ended up with a 155 offensive rating. The only other guy that was over 100 was uh, Khalil Ware at 129. So, whether it was garbage minutes or end of the game or wasn't, did it matter? He 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 did it. Yeah, the, those were the two that I was uh, that I was down to as well. Um, I, I'm gonna give it to CJ. Uh, I just think maybe it's a, a springboard for him, but I, I I liked what he brought defensively at the end of the first half. Was able to step up and make some shots. Uh, I'll probably be mentioning Galloway for the Hoosier Hustle Award here in a minute. Um, but I'll go with CJ. Just kind of an unexpected performance uh, in a game like this that usually might is one that might help you swing things uh, in one direction or another. Obviously did not do that tonight. Um, so I'm going to go with CJ Gunn. Uh, for tonight's game, uh, hitting a few threes, leading the team in scoring uh, in just 20 minutes, and also added three assists, uh, which I thought was uh, something you don't necessarily expect from him, but uh, something he was able to do. That is uh, now CJ's first game ball of this season, I believe, uh, as I look down the list here. Um, so that is that. Is that. Uh, all right, and then now, up next, we have... Hi, this is Anthony Leo, and it's time for the Hoosier Hustle Award. But first, I have some exciting news to share about our friends at Evansville Security Services. They've been acquired. They are now part of the team at Security Pro 24-7, which provides trusted and reliable security for your event or business from Bloomington, my hometown, to Evansville, where Coach Calvert Chaney grew up, and everything in between. Just like hustle can't be measured by stats, prevention can't be measured either, but it has a huge impact on your bottom line and peace of mind. So let the security pros at Security Pro 24-7 help you prevent a bad outcome today. Visit securitypro247.com to learn more. That's securitypro247.com. And tell them Anthony Leo sang you. All right. 
Coach Motes, I'll throw this one to you first to get your uh, Hoosier Hustle Award for tonight. Trey Galloway. I mean, he played 34 minutes, the seven assists, but I mean, I think all night he was, you know, he was doing basically doing everything he could to try to keep IU in the game. And when and, and when it was getting out of control, it got out of control, tried to get him back into it. Just with, And on, on a night where he wasn't shooting the ball particularly well, did a lot of the little things that IU needed. So to me, it's Trey. Coach Marler? Well, since I chose Trey for the game ball, I'm going to go here with who I had for who I was going to go with here. And that's CJ. Uh, to me, I agree with Bob. It was, and you, it was early down to two people for these two awards. I went opposite with you guys, but this is where I would have CJ. Yep. And I'll, I will give it to Trey. I really thought he tried to do uh, his best to, to will the team. Uh, did miss all four threes he had, but wasn't afraid to, to try to go inside, led the team in assists uh, and had 10 points, all of which came in the first half, as I mentioned before. So, uh, I'll give him the Hoosier Hustle Award. You know, one guy we didn't talk a lot about uh, who probably bears mentioning here is Khalil Ware. Uh, he ends up with 11 points, only got seven shots, was five of seven from the field, including that one three-pointer. Uh, led the team with eight rebounds, only one turnover, two assists. And uh, if I'd be remiss to point this out since Jared is not here. Got auto bench with two fouls in the first half, was among. Uh, you know, we talked about Galloway going out. Things really turned. Uh, when he went out as well, just because of what that does to your floor spacing by playing Peyton Sparks with him. And he, of course, ends the game with, that's right, you guessed it, two, two fouls. fouls. Uh, so, but like I said, what bears mentioning for him, I, I thought, you know, there's a play early in the game we touched on before we, we went on the air. IU was really, um, you know, scoring well early on. And one of the only possessions they didn't score on was at one where they gave him the ball in the post. He ends up shooting, turn around air ball and just found myself wondering why are you why are you insisting on dumping the ball against him into him against Edie who's already pushed him well out of the lane uh at that point and uh you know he was the benefactor of a, a number of really nice assists from uh different guys including Trey but I thought uh you know there were some different things they could have done with him to help him be even more successful in the game than he was not the least of which was uh, taking him out of the game when he had two fouls or, you know, I get taking him out of the game initially when you do that, but you got to be able to read the game and figure out, you know what, it doesn't matter uh, at that point because they put renew back in with four fouls and he didn't last very long mm -hmm. in the second half. So if you're going to make that decision, then, you know, you can get yourself buried in the first half in a way that, uh, you know, was potentially preventable. But uh, so anyway, I'll channel my inner Jared to at least bring that up as we, uh, as we come close to wrapping up, um, you know, so now, you know, time for lingering questions. I, I guess the main, I guess there's, there's two, one of which we already talked about. One is, you know, can this be something that CJ Gunn's able to build off of? We touched on that earlier. I, I think the other one is really, where does this team go from here? Uh, you had a week, uh, Coach Marlowe, you mentioned this, where able to really stage a valiant comeback, split these road games. You've got a week off, a week and a day off, really, before they play Sunday. Uh, at or against Northwestern, not at Northwestern, at home against Northwestern. Um, and this team, you know, well on the outside looking in of uh, of the NCAA tournament, uh, even sounded like something that Jared posted yesterday. Uh, sounds like they're just being considered, you know, a team being considered for those doing NIT bracketology, which uh, Scott has mentioned he believes is somewhere on the dark web uh, where you could find more information about <laughs> NIT bracketology. But, you know, where does this team go from here? And I guess – more specific than that, you know, what are some things that they can work on? You know, I'll, I'll put you guys in the in the coach's seat here. 
you know, what do you do with this team over the next eight days, I guess seven days before uh, they play again to prepare them for the rest of the season and kind of how do you recalibrate as a coach what you want to look for from that point forward? So, Coach Marlowe, I'll throw that one to you first, and then uh, Coach Most, feel free to hop in after that. Oh, man. (laughs) A lot to think about there. Um, Obviously, I'm not in there, um, but – I really would like to see them, Andy, over the next week. I know we're not going to change the lineup. You're going to, he's going to start where he's going to start renew. I, I would love to see him flip flop them. I'd love them to see renew play more of the four on the offensive end and let Malik go inside uh, and be the true back to the basket five. I would really love to see more of the small ball. I, I really would work on more of the small ball stuff. Have, you know, if you really want to work renew and wear kind of in and out of the lineup together, I know a lot of people wouldn't agree with that. But I really like, you know, play a little smaller and see if you can get some, you know, create some advantage. The other thing, too, at this point, and I'd be interested to see what Bob thinks about it a little bit. Um, we've talked about this at the meetup last week. We talked about, we've, I've heard you guys talk a little bit about it. I talked a little bit about it in some of the discord stuff over the season. Let's find an identity. Let's at least start trying to find what's the identity of this program going forward. And, 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 and I know Mike Woodson is going to tell you he has, he he knows what the identity is, but as a fan base, I don't see it. I don't know what, we're not a defensive team this year. We're not, you know, we're not a modern offensive team, you know, in per, in terms of offensive sets. And we just do a lot of standing around. I, I let's work this week on this. You know what? Cause this is the way I would approach it again. High school basketball is a lot different than, than college basketball. You know, you got a certain number of games left. You got the, the rest of the big 10 plus you're guaranteed one in the big 10 tournament. These next set of games, we are going to start establishing what we are for next year. Now you realize the roster can have a lot of change, but I don't care about that this is what we're going to be and this is what we're going to be going forward and we're going to establish that and that's where i would kind of like to see how starting this week and and i would actually yeah i i think that identity question has been one that you know i I put it on the sub stack a couple weeks ago where defining what a good shot is in this offense i don't exactly know what he's looking for offensively where are they trying to drive the ball on defense? Where do you want the ball handler? Are you trying to go no middle? Are you trying to force the ball middle and, and just try to keep it contained? Where are you trying to contain the basketball? What are your rebounding protocols? Like like I, all of these little things that we look for as coaches and we're not really seeing them, you know, it, it's hard for us to discern. And I I mean, if you talk about what to work on from my 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 view, Let's work on getting more guys involved in the offense. Let's work on really focusing on the reads that, that are necessary and then the reaction to those reads which are necessary the, in order for this team to get a little better. Because right now, I mean, we just played again. We, we walked right into the jaws of um, the, the, the jaws of a scouting report against Matt Painter. And the stuff he was doing was stuff you see in fourth grade rec leagues. We're going to foul out your best player. We're going to pack the lane and not let you do what you want to do. We're going to force you. Know, we're going to stand in the passing lane and steal your passes. It's little things like that. And it annoys the crud out of me because it's like, I really want a team and a, you know, to, to just take that. Cause I've been watching painter do this to IU since Archie Miller, just to ram it down his throat because it's almost like the greatest insult when, when to, if you're, when you're coaching, when someone's just able to do that to you, 
when they just they 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 just know what you're going to do before your players know what you're going to do. And I would just love to see this team get show progress in this area so they can play 40 minutes of competitive basketball, which I don't think we've seen yet this year. We've not seen a 40 minute continuous, you know, competitive game from this group. And and really just on both ends of the floor clean up, you know, basically clean, you know, get, get more guys involved and then also get better communication. Let's really work on the communication on defense, which is still sorely lacking at this point. Yep. All right. Well, before we get to last call here, a couple quick housekeeping things. Uh, we will have AC radio on Thursday. Uh, next IU game is against Northwestern at home on Sunday. Although the women, as I mentioned before, play on sun on this Sunday, tomorrow, uh, at two o'clock, I believe, on BTN Plus against Purdue, uh, Coach Marlow, are you guys doing a post game show for that, or is it uh, to help people get ready for the Super Bowl? You are, you guys are doing one, right? Yeah, we'll be on roughly four o'clock Eastern, three o'clock Central. And Andy, I really want to take a chance here. You guys have been so good to giving us a, a, a thoughts, but um, keep an eye on this tomorrow. Mackenzie Holmes probably will set the career scoring record for the women. She will. She needs seventeen points to bypass Tyra Bus. She's likely to get that tomorrow. I did a little digging. Thanks to Jared, by the way, he put this in the Substack. Um, she's about two. I, I think it's two hundred sixty-five points. It's not likely. But if she can get a deep enough run in the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament, there's an outside chance she will catch. She could catch Calvert Cheney as the all-time scorer. She'd need 265 points. They have eight games guaranteed left. They have six left in the Big Ten season, the Big Ten tournament, the NCAA tournament. So she needs a little bit of a run in each one because even with that, she'd have to average about 22 a game, which is what she's about at over the course of the Big Ten season. So keep an eye on that. But she more than likely is going to end up as the number two all-time scorer in the school. She will she will bypass Steve Alford more than likely and move in into that spot as well. All right. Well, see, that's a good way to get us going on a positive note here as we wrap up. So uh, just a reminder to check out our friends at Homefield Apparel. You can use the promo code HOME23 at checkout to get 15% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com. And uh, with that, it's time for last call to wrap things up. Coach Motes, I'll throw it to you first for final thoughts on this 20-point IU loss at Purdue. Um. <laughs> well said. I, I, uh, that, I, I think that, that that's pretty much where I'm at right now. I I'll just say – let's see where we are in a week and go win the next one. And the next one also, Jeff, let's win the next one tomorrow. You know, let's get that one out of the way. Yeah, exactly. Coach Marlowe, final thoughts. A uh, couple things. Number one, but back to Bob's comment. Interesting here. McKenzie was asked in the post game the other day about something, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but her comment was all she wants to do is beat Purdue on Sunday because if she does, she will finish her career never losing to Purdue. And, you know, she'll be t- yeah. she'll be 10 and 0 against Purdue. Uh, also, I do have a link, a kind of lingering question. If he if it happens tomorrow, will Ryan share if he gets to have a Taylor Swift moment? I, mean, <laughs> I, w- I don't know why he wouldn't. <laughs> I just had some fun. But anyway, whether she makes it to the game or not. But as, since he's at the Super Bowl and you know couldn't be here to rant tonight, um, I'm with Bob. It, it's just get to the next one. You know, you got to we've we've debated this one we've talked about it it was not fun it wasn't a good game it was some to a certain degree at times embarrassing but you know what we got to wake up tomorrow morning and start getting ready for northwestern exactly and 
I, I will you know, kind of start my thoughts. Uh, Coach Marley, you mentioned this earlier, but uh, condolences to Yogi Ferrell and the loss of his dad mm-hmm. uh, was uh, unexpected. And so uh, I, I have Yogi as the uh, elbows in choice and somewhat in honor of his dad uh, to end this out. But uh, certainly our thoughts go out to, to him and his family as we do that. Uh, in, in terms of this game, I, I just don't know that there's a whole lot to say, although may, I somehow, uh, against my better judgment, let this go over an hour. I was really hoping to not uh, not let it go that far, so I failed in that regard. Uh, but I, I think this is a game that you didn't look at really even before the season, and certainly not with how the season has gone, that you felt like I, you had a chance to, to go in and win, or at least not a good chance to go in and win. And I think the frustrating part is that they they showed things in stretches of this game that could have allowed them to be more competitive than they ended up being. And in some ways, that's kind of the story of what this season has been. So it's another game where this team has continued to show us who they are and where they're at. Uh, I, I think that and when I say team and that, I also include the coaching staff in that. Uh, I saw multiple people talk about how the coaching staff just seemed kind of sitting back on the bench, resigned to what was happening. You know, Coach Tonsoni, you know, sent a picture of that in our in our text chain. And I think this is just a case of everybody feeling a little bit like most fans do at this point, where there's just a certain level of fatigue from trying to go through the season and hope that things are going to change while being shown repeatedly that uh, it's going to be tough to see meaningful change as we go down the stretch. So this team is probably not going to lose out. I'm sure they'll win games here and there, no different than what they did against Ohio State. But there's uh, certainly limits on what this team is going to be able to accomplish at this point based on what we've seen so far. And maybe they can use this week to figure some of those things out and and get some positive momentum going down the stretch, build that identity uh, that you guys talked about before. And so that's what I'll be hoping for. Still be back to root for it. Uh, It is no fun. Uh, watching Purdue beat IU the way they did tonight, uh, just a you know a little bit over a year ago from when IU went in there and did the same thing, and so uh, a frustrating game for uh, a lot of people I know, and uh, certainly certainly disappointing. But we will uh, we'll be back to to talk a little bit more about it and, and kind of look ahead to the rest of the season uh, on AC Radio later this week. But that will do it uh, for us on this edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to substack.assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for the music you hear on the show. Special thanks to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logo. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU Hoops again with you on Tuesday night. Until then, take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. All right, gentlemen, should get hazard pay for filling in on this one, uh, but I appreciate you being here. I certainly would have gotten it done in under an hour if I'd been alone, but the conversation would probably not have been as robust. So I do appreciate your, <laughs> I do appreciate that, and uh, and hopefully, Jeff, you guys have a more uh, a more positive show and result to talk about uh tomorrow afternoon for sure yeah i hope so too there was something i was just thinking of i was going to mention you guys once we got done um yeah it just you know i don't know what the identity is i I just don't i don't know where we're going i don't i last year i felt like you know there was some identity but and i know we graduated you know a bunch of guys are gone oh i know i was going to ask you now it's got to me I don't follow the recruiting enough to really know. And I don't think one kid would have made a difference, 
but would Newton have helped this team? Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know enough. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, yeah, I think from the standpoint of what you like, just the backcourt depth overall. Yeah. Uh, and I do think he probably would bring a different athleticism and toughness to, to some things that are there. But I, I haven't seen him play enough to know that for sure. But so I think given where the, the guard play has kind of gone, it, it, it feels like that's uh, – couldn't have hurt, I guess, is the way well, I would generally answer the well, question. Newton's a driver. What this team is missing sorely are guys to dribble penetrate the basketball effectively. And that's what that, that's what he would, you know, Ja'Kai Newton brings that to the table. And I think you're probably you're not wrong on that assumption, Jeff, that it would have it would have been better. And this is not a knock on Anthony Leal by any stretch of the imagination. But I think if you had asked if you had told me nine months ago that Anthony Leal would be playing this many minutes at this juncture of a season. I would have think we would be winning by 25. I'll put it that way. And it's not a knock on the kid. He's working his tail off. He's doing a lot of the little things. He's doing a lot of the big things. But um, I think the assumption was that CJ Gunn was going to take that step up consistently. Mm-hmm. Caleb Banks would be taking a step up consistently. And I'd also throw Walker into that equation too, to be perfectly honest. We, you know, where he, him not playing kind of shows that a lot of the sort of questions, the if this then mm-hmm. questions we had at the beginning of the season came up as it didn't happen. And so in some respects, I'm going to get flogged for this, but being 14 and 10 and not the University of Michigan right now is probably, <laughs> this could be a lot worse. Um, or Ohio State. Or Ohio State. Or DePaul. I mean, you kind of go down the list of several Nobody programs. That's... Nobody, <laughs> no. even DePaul doesn't want to be DePaul. No. But um, yeah, I mean, Newton would have been a big help. Um, only, you know, and maybe, maybe not, but at least it would have been an option where you have, again, you could, you'd have more small ball type options with him available. Before we cut out, I want to say one more thing. We, Mike and I are going to be cutting a X's and Joe's episode this week should drop sometime this week too. We're going to talk about rivalries and why they're important and how they kind of happen because we wanted to do this before the Purdue game, but I realized, I think we both have realized that we don't really want to talk about this stuff until after the result (laughs) in case we, that way we don't say something too inter- and you know that way we, we don't say something that doesn't exactly come true in this but we we know that the, that the rivalry conversation is one that you know we'd like to have with everybody and hope yeah. to hope to get good awesome well i look forward to hearing it so all right well thank you guys again for being here appreciate it thanks everybody in the chat mob for being here as well after a tough loss but uh everybody enjoy the uh iu purdue women's game tomorrow and the super bowl and we will uh talk again on thursday all right thanks guys all right, everybody See you, everybody. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.